Our new house is in the country, and I love everything about it. The cornfields, the peace and quiet, the beautiful sky that looks like a planetarium at night. In Philly, as a kid, we would go to the Franklin Institute. The sky here is like that planetarium, but free. The only thing about living in the country is that you have to be prepared for things to go wrong. This past weekend, my son turned 11 years old. We had an awesome birthday party and sleepover for him with our family. When we woke up the next morning, the power was out. Yeah, again, if you've heard previous episodes, you know that when we first moved into this house, the power was out. <laughs> this time, it wasn't raining particularly hard, but the power had still gone out. And... The generator that we ordered after the last power outage is actually on back order and won't be here until December. I had spent the whole day prior enjoying life, eating gluten and dairy and all those yummy things that cause inflammation and grumpiness. After all, it was my son's 11th birthday, and life has to ebb and flow, and I have to be flexible. Well, then I woke up, cold craving cookies, and grumpy. I felt off and uncomfortable. I expressed myself well and came up with a solution. We went to a local diner to warm up and get coffee until the power came back on. I didn't act out, though I was pretty complaining and grumpy, and I tried to convince myself it was just a grumpy day, and it was totally cool that we had no power. Then all of a sudden, we come back from the diner and the power comes back on. I let out a loud, impulsively happy cheer. The power is on. I felt great. You know what happened then to my grumpiness? All of that grumpiness just disappeared. So after celebrating with the boys, I went to Jay to apologize for being so grumpy. Sure, it could have been way worse. I could have acted out in so many ways in my BPD mind, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that I had had to execute the damage control formula. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. For those of you just tuning in, my name is Rose Skeeters. I am the CVO of Thrive Mind Body, a coaching and counseling telehealth practice. I am also a licensed therapist, nutrition coach, and mindset coach. I love helping people along in their recovery journey. I started this podcast to foster hope within the BPD community. It was previously thought that BPD was a chronic illness that if you got diagnosed, you'd never get better. Current research has disproved this archaic notion. So if this is the first episode you are listening to, I encourage you to go back and check out some of the other episodes to jumpstart or to add motivation and understanding to your current recovery journey. If you aren't so new around here, you are most likely working on fine-tuning that moral compass and building that safe house. You created your BPD bucket list you have your bad day formula, are managing your anger, eating healthy foods, and exercising regularly. 
life is just great, right? (laughs) Ha, no way. Recovery is not linear. Let me say that again. Recovery is not linear. This means that you will have bad days and setbacks, just like the one I described at the beginning of this episode. You will have bad days where the bad day formula is the last thing you think about and the last thing you practice. You will have crazy thoughts, tyrannical moments, junk food, lazy days, and even episodes. People will see you cry, maybe even in public. You will mess up. And all of this is okay. Recovery takes time. And the one thing that is very difficult for the BPD brain, patience. Instead of waiting for that other shoe to drop, I hear that all the time, clients telling me that they're waiting for something horrible to happen. Don't do that. Be prepared for those setbacks because life isn't perfect and recovery isn't linear. It doesn't progress in a straight line where eventually everything is perfect. It's messy. So one of my recovery mottos is it's better to be prepared than to be scared. I'd much rather go into battle armed and ready than go into battle with my tail between my legs freaking out and not knowing what will happen and what I'm going to do about it. That sounds awful. Actually, that sounds like life before recovery. So prepare yourself for the inevitable. Rather than having a setback and engaging in that self-loathing, intense, negative, emotion-driven mindset... You know, where your thoughts spin in a circle and just eat away at you? Use the damage control formula. Okay, so you just had an episode. Maybe you engaged in tyrannical behavior or you set expectations way too high or your favorite host canceled the plans that they had for you. So you decided that you were going to lash out and act out. Or you attacked your spouse or your husband or your partner or whatever. There are so many things that could happen. Maybe you even impulsively walked out of your job. Maybe you got into an argument with someone. You know, there are so many things that having BPD you could have done. So imagine like that has happened. What do you do now? Well, step one of the damage control formula is to separate yourself from the negative behavior that you have engaged in. Our behavior does not define us. Our behavior does not define us. It is not indicative of our character. So when you have a setback, your tendency in the BPD mind will be to hate yourself, right? Blame yourself. Think you'll never get better and begin to take on BPD again as your identity. It's as if we need or we have our go-to mechanism is to fuse our behavior and our identity together. This is an old dysfunctional pattern of behavior. Instead, imagine yourself as being separate from that behavior. When I was in treatment for having an eating disorder, they would teach us to give our eating disorder a name. And because it's eating disorder, they would say, call it Ed. I believe that there's a book or two out about that where you'd say my Ed or Ed did this today. So sort of talking about it in a 
manner that separates you from it so you are not defined by your eating disorder so i think of this the same way but with bpd i think of it as like a little gremlin or like evil you know being taken over the body and cause the behavior to to occur so get creative separate you who you are becoming this amazing person who has a positive outlook and who's rebuilding their life is not the person who had the episode. So you need to be able to see that so that you don't start to internalize the idea that the somehow you're never going to get better and this one setback is the end of the world, so to speak. Right? Okay. Step two of the damage control formula is to swallow your pride and apologize. Yep. That's right, folks. This is a very difficult thing to do, much more easier said than done. I can remember times where I have, I remember this one incident that I had with Jay where it was our anniversary and I wanted to hang out with him and him alone. (laughs) I didn't want to go and spend time with other people, but we had been dating for a while and there was this like fair at the italian market area in philly and one of his friends wanted to go so he thought it would be a good idea if we double dated on this at this event and i threw like a hissy fit about this i was like sitting on the bed and my head was down and i was upset and i wouldn't tell him what was wrong and i was creating damage by doing this because it was our anniversary and he wanted to do something fun with me but my expectation was that we were gonna i mean i don't know guys like stare at each other in each other's eyes and like you know the things like crawl inside of his skin as i've said before so that expectation wasn't being met and i ended up creating all of this drama and then he's like okay well we're not gonna go then but of course i wanted to go you know i don't even i just was like in a mood so midway through this this is like further into my recovery i realized like what are you doing he had walked downstairs and i was still upstairs moping And I remember thinking to myself, like, Rose, what are you doing right now? Why are you perpetuating this? You know that you want to hang out with him and you know it's unreasonable to, like, sit around and stare at each other because we were going to come home and be alone for the rest of the night after this event anyway. So my expectation was unreasonable and I knew that, but I was still having this episode and I was still in the middle of it and it was like I, like, couldn't go at least that's what I thought at that time in my head I felt like I can't I can't go and like admit that I'm wrong I could but humility wasn't something that I'd ever practiced and forgiveness wasn't something that I'd ever practiced like not only forgiving um him even though he didn't do anything but like in my head forgiving myself for putting that expectation on so I just wasn't used to that and I never really apologize in a heartfelt way so i having like going to him and going hey i'm sorry for engaging in this inappropriate behavior for having too high of an expectation that didn't happen and i mean it ended up being an okay day but it was just another day where we had to have long drawn out conversations about what a normal relationship is and you know he had to point out this behavior to me all the while in the back of my head if I had just swallowed my pride 
you know, tucked my ego inside, walked over to him and said, I'm sorry for setting an expectation for our anniversary, not telling you what that expectation was, expecting you to read my mind, and then creating an argument about it. And I'm sorry because midway through that argument, I realized what I was doing and I realized that what I was doing was wrong and I still didn't stop. So that's what I would have done and that's what I'm encouraging you all to do in step two of your damage control formula. Separate yourself from the negative behavior, swallow your pride, and apologize. You know, even looking back on that day, I don't dwell in the past because the past is in the past, like they say in The Lion King. <laughs> but I do think, wow, you know, I wish that I would have done that because I, I love my husband and I respect him and I don't want him to think that he's done something wrong. So when I look back, I think, oh man, why didn't you do that? So now when I have a problem or an episode or even, you know, like we talk, I talked about in the beginning of the episode where I was like complainy and grumpy this past weekend because of the power, I go and I go, I'm sorry for being complainy and grumpy. I'm sorry for, you know, taking out my discomfort on you. So that's step two, accept responsibility for the setback and communicate your apology in a clear and concise manner. It's so important that you learn how to do that. Even if it's after an episode, even if it feels even more uncomfortable than the episode itself, it is so important. Not only that, but it's also important that you don't expect the person that you are apologizing to to take away the guilt and shame that you feel for engaging in that behavior. So this example of this would be if I was like, Jay, you know, I'm really sorry for setting unrealistic expectations for our anniversary and, you know, engaging in this tantrum behavior, but I have BPD and you should feel bad for me. And are you going to leave me? Are you going to, you know, do this, that, the third? Like, you know how when you after an episode, you end up going to the person and you're like talking in circles and you start to fear that the person's going to leave you now because now you had this moment and it was a setback. Like none of that is involved in this damage control formula. That is old and dysfunctional pattern of behavior. So when you go to apologize for so- to someone for something that you've done wrong, you say, I am sorry for doing blah, whatever that behavior is. And that's it. Clear and concise. Anything else that you want to bring to the table or any justification, it just doesn't matter. What matters is that you accept responsibility and you apologize and then you move on. You've already separated yourself from the behavior. And people who are neurotypical understand that love is not conditional. Most people so they're going to accept your response, uh, your apology, excuse me, and they're going to respect you for saying that you're sorry, and they're going to move on. You might even get a hug, and then the rest of the day will continue on the way that it had been before, which brings me to step three of the damage control formula. Okay. Step three of the damage control formula is to do the next right thing. I'm sure many of you have heard this before because it is a DBT thing, right? It's a therapy thing, buzz phrase. Do the next right thing. So what does that mean? 
okay, I've apologized. I've done it in a clear way, in a concise way, and my partner, my friend, or just myself and my life alone, I'm ready to move on. So I need to do the next right thing so I don't stay stuck in that spinning headspace after the apology is over. So that means I have to get back on the plan that I'm on. So wherever you are in your stage of recovery, that's going to look different for you depending on that step. So for me, on Saturday, it was, or Sunday, excuse me, it was for me to just continue on with my day. I had, we had had a party the day before and I had to clean up. So I went and I swept the floor and then we hung out. If you are in a stage of your recovery where you're working out and you're eating healthy foods and you're getting that fiber like we talked about last week, but you haven't done that because life got in the way, go for a run, go to the gym, go for a walk, make yourself some soup, meditate, do your deep breathing. Go to the store. If you were supposed to go to the grocery store, go to the grocery store. If you were supposed to go out with your friends, go out with your friends. Don't cancel your plans. Do the next right thing. So move on. A long time ago, Jay and I had gotten into some sort of argument. I don't even remember, honestly, what what it was about. And I definitely started it. (laughs) Um... But I was really upset and I was like spinning in circles with being upset. And he said to me, you have to stop the bleed. At some point, you have to stop it. Put a tourniquet on the bleed. That was the analogy he made. And that really resonated with me at the time. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Because I'm just, the emotions are just leaking out and like bleeding out and going and going and going. And at some point, There has to be a willingness on my part to make the choice to put a lid on it, put a tourniquet on it, stop that. And by doing the next right thing, you guys can do that too. So let's review the damage control formula. Step one, your behavior does not define who you are. Your behavior is not tied to your identity, to your character. So separate yourself from the behavior that you engaged in. Step two, swallow your pride, put the ego away, and apologize clearly and in a concise manner. And don't over-talk yourself into a position where you're expecting the person you're apologizing to to take away the guilt and shame that you feel. Step three, do the next right thing. Are you currently struggling to stay afloat? Are you looking for more one-on-one support and guidance on your recovery journey? Check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer mindset coaching that will propel your recovery journey forward. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Have phone, video, or text sessions wherever you are. The best part? You can schedule right from our website. Choose the day and time that works best for you. Life can be better. We can help. Make an investment in yourself. You are worth it. 
All right, everybody, it's time for some Q&A. So this question actually helped inspire this episode. What happens if you're gearing up to create damage, but you feel like you can't stop yourself? Okay, so the first thing I want you to do is list out all of the reasons that you would have a tantrum. What are all of the things that quote-unquote trigger you or you're sensitive to or make you feel like you need to go into attack mode? A lot of the times, people that have borderline personality disorder become uncomfortable and just being uncomfortable is the thing that creates the tantrum, right? Or irritability or damage. So if you are uncomfortable, just know that you can't take it out on other people. For example, let's say you have a job interview coming up and you're really excited for that job interview and you're nervous and you're not sure what's going to happen and you feel unstable. That's a period of discomfort. And for someone with a hyperbolic temperament, it's even more uncomfortable for an, than an average person you know, would experience because it's the unknown what will happen. And there's also the transition you would have to experience. Like if you did get the job and and the rejection you would experience if you didn't get the job and we're really good at spinning those negative thoughts in our mind, right? So let's say this interview is on a Friday and today is Monday. And so you start to amp up and amp up and amp up and gear up to create this damage, right? So what you need to do is ask yourself, what behaviors are you engaging in or taking out on other people now? And how are you going to feel about those behaviors after you get the job? Will you feel remorse? What about the people around you? If we're thinking about learning how to put ourselves in other people's shoes, right? Learning that other people have thoughts, feelings, and perceptions outside of our own. How will other people feel after the job interview's over, whether you got the job or not, but just after it's over and you're more stable within yourself and you're more confident and calm, what damage control will you need to do? And then you have to decide, because it is a choice, remember, what's more important, the tantrum, the attacking behavior that you're engaging in, the damage that you're doing, or the people around you. So it takes a bit of insight for you to understand what happens before you create this damage. And then it also takes a willingness to admit that you can stop yourself and that you have to make choices that are different from the choices that you would have made in the past. So if you feel yourself amping up, that's the time that you would need to run, to sprint, to eat healthy foods, right? To exercise, to do your deep breathing, to do your catch it, check it, change it skill. If you're working with me, you know what that is. And we'll do a future episode on that. But use your skills, And see, the funny thing is, is that the person that asked this question has a hard time engaging in the skills that help them stay calm and focused and stable when 
they're in an episode or when they're feeling uncomfortable, which is fair. We all do. I went through it too. But it's a forcing yourself. Almost imagine that someone is behind you, pushing you, going, you need to do the things that keep you calm and keep you stable and keep those thoughts at bay and those behaviors at bay, regardless of whether or not you're uncomfortable. Because at the end of whatever it is that's going to be happening, when you feel comfortable once again, you are not going to want to go back and clean up that damage. So if you can see it coming, you can stop yourself. It is a choice and you can do that by using your skills. But if for some reason you have a setback, because we learned today that recovery isn't linear, execute that damage control formula. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening in. I appreciate all the kind words and thoughts. And for everybody out there who has subscribed and is supporting this podcast, a big shout out to you. Send me an email at rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com if you have any questions. We would love to hear them. And Jay and I would love to answer them on the podcast. You can schedule a coaching um, or counseling session right on the website, thriveonlinecounseling.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you all and to coming back next week for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline to Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.